Ready for some word today? Ephesians chapter 4. We are in a series, and I want to continue this series now. I'm talking to you about spiritual growth. The title might not be really exciting, but at least you know what we're talking about. Some titles are better than others. And I want to continue in this series. Our text is Ephesians chapter 4, where the Lord said that He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, edifying of the body of Christ, and so forth. Let's pick up in verse 13. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that's a mature person, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Stop being children. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Everybody got that? All right. Let's talk about spiritual growth some more. Let's talk about development in spiritual things. It's a very needed subject in the, in the world, in the body of Christ today. We know what we understand about physical growth. We understand about mental development. But people lack this understanding of and then the implementation of that understanding in regards to growing in spiritual things it really does make your life better and it makes the lives of those around you better how many know when you're when you're doing well uh, your family is better off for it when you're doing well those who work with you are better off because you're doing better you know what I'm talking about I mean when you're in a good mood when you're happy and blessed and fulfilled and living life to the full everyone around you is influenced and affected in a positive way when you're doing well, when you and I, when you grow spiritually, the church has benefited. Oh, yeah. That's why, that's why I mean, I, I would never discourage someone from, from getting good material and good resources outside of what, uh, of what I'm bringing in the church that the Lord might lead you to. Because if it helps you to grow, if someone else can say it in a little different way that will, that will trigger some, some growth and some response in your life, then go for it. I mean, whatever it takes, because the stronger you are the stronger we are. Huh? The stronger we are individually, the more we can do together for the Lord. And so these things are of great value, and we want to continue to go up and go forward. Last couple weeks, I've been sharing with you about the marks of the mature, indications that maturity is present in our lives. At the same time, of course, it, it makes us aware of and, and alerts us to things in our lives that might be uh, you know, immature or childlike, where we recognize I, in some, some areas I need to pull my thumb out of my mouth and giddy up with, with God. And, uh, and so in doing so, uh, we recognize these things so that we can grow and change. Let me give you a quick review without giving commentary on these points. But the first eight things were this. Number one is that mature are stable. They are consistent. Secondly, they are in control of their emotions. Number three, they are able to delay gratification. Number four, they take no offense. Number five, they walk by faith. Number six, they see the invisible. Number seven, they have a sense of eternity. And number eight, they are very discerning. They're very discerning. They're discerning people. And so I want to finish this list today and then move on to some, so, some other things. 
and talk about our growth, we've given you number nine. All right, everybody ready for number nine? My Bible school students, I accidentally gave it to them in class this week, so act like you don't know it. (laughs) Number nine is they are dead to criticism and praise. The mature now, the, the, the fully developed believers are dead to criticism and praise. Does that sound exciting? I don't even know if I like the way that sounds. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read what Paul had to say about this. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. You see, an immature person is greatly moved by, influenced, affected by what other people around them think of them. What other people say to them or say about them. What what they think about them. An immature believer is greatly moved by that for either, uh, either one direction or the other. But when we get to a place of maturity, we become ultimately mindful of what the Lord thinks. We're conscious of His will, His plan, and we do not let ourselves get tripped up by individuals that are negative towards us, nor lifted up in pride by those who praise us. Everybody with me? But we're always conscious of the Lord's approval and the Lord's blessing and His work in our lives. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. He wrote, but with me, it is a very small thing. Everybody say small thing. That I should be judged by you or by a human court. Think about that. It's a very small thing. Now, an immature person... Just the opposite's true. They would say, or they, this is true whether they say it or not, but it is a very big thing to be judged by someone else. In fact, it's very often uh, discussed quite a bit how others are judging them. Well, I just feel judged. I just, so this person, they're always judgmental of me. All right, that might be true. And I'm not saying that's the right thing for the other person to do. But if you're very mindful of it and constantly talking about it, what it does indicate is a lack of maturity on your part. Everybody with me? How many recognize that's always going to be the case in life? You're not going to escape it. What we need to do is grow above it. And so we're, until we are not moved by someone else and what they say and do. Okay, he said, it's a very small thing for me. I don't care what you say. I don't care what, how, how you judge me or what a, quote, human court would do. He, he went on to say, he said, in fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. And so again, there was a consciousness of God there that, uh, that helped him to live above being dragged down by people or really even in a flattery way lifted up by people. Okay, If you will live by the criticisms of men, let me say it this way, if you'll live by the praises of men, you will also die by their criticisms. And we want to get to the point where neither of them affect us in a great way. Either someone praising us or criticizing us. Baby Christians are full of self-pity when criticized. And also, you know, immature Christians, when they are noticed and appreciated, they feel lifted up. They feel full of self-importance. Okay? And so, again, the absence of it produces a negative response. 
And the presence of it produces a response, but it's really, uh, it's really a carnal. It's really an immature response. Okay, they're ever conscious of what other people think about them. How many know when you can walk into a room and be looking for and noticing other people, then there's a maturity there. Not walk into a room with this on your mind. How is everyone viewing me? How do I look? How do I sound? What do people think about, uh, about how I'm acting? See, we can recognize right away that's, a, that's an immature position to be in. But again, Paul said it's a very small thing for me. And the immature, when they do something good, they expect others to gush over it. They expect others to laud them. And if they, if they have an absence of that, it really crushes them. But how many, can you see the, how many can see the value of rising up above these things? You know, Jesus, Jesus talked and said some strong things over in, in Luke chapter uh, 17. He was talking about if you have a servant and they do something for you. And, and uh, he said, when, when they get done and they do something for you, you're gonna, uh, he said, are you going to thank them? He said, I think not. He, he, went, he said in Luke 17, 10, uh, so likewise you, when you have done all those things which, are, which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. It's like, I was supposed to do this. Why would I expect anyone to say anything to me about it? I'm serving the Lord. I, I was, you know, I'm going to do this, whether someone likes it, whether someone doesn't like it. I'm just going to serve the Lord. Everybody okay? You know, one of the things that I've noticed over the years of working with people and, and just, be, just living life is that it seems that Immature people, and this is my description, and this is my estimation of, of, of their condition, often make a big deal of things that shouldn't be made a big deal. They often have a lot of efforts towards things that they should really not pay that much attention to, therefore neglecting the weightier things. Jesus talked about even weightier things of, of the Scripture. Um, I, one of the one of the areas, one of the examples of this is how people deal with holidays. Holidays, uh, for example, like Christmas is coming up. Christmas is a great holiday, right? Uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But how many know? I mean, even though it's a it's a national holiday in our country, how many know the world has really kind of watered that down? And if we were to really look at it, Christmas to a lot of people is Santa Claus. Christmas to a lot of people is just the tree and the decorations and, and, and that kind of stuff. And some of us have recognized that, you know, that's kind of getting focused off of the main thing. You know, as, as it said, the reason for the season. And I fully agree with that. But I see, I've seen some, in my, in my opinion, that, that really think of themselves as very, very spiritual people. But they get so off track by focusing on things that don't really make that big a difference. Like, you know, some think that a Christ, if you have a Christmas tree, then you're somehow into idol worship. You know, <laughs> that, you know you're not focusing on Jesus because you have a Christmas tree. I've had a Christmas tree my whole life. I've not once worshipped it. <laughs> you know, it has never hindered my relationship with God. You know what I'm talking about? I realize some of the things, some of the things that, that we do, if you go back far enough, you find some pagan thing that 
you know, is somehow tied to it. And, and you can study all that stuff all day long. All I know is I've never worshipped the tree. And it's, I've never had the Lord say, get that heathen thing out of your house. I worship the Lord. I celebrate the birth of Jesus. And the Christmas tree is cool. You know, it's nice and the lights and, and all this stuff. What am I saying? If you don't like it, don't get one. But don't go on a personal crusade against those who have them. You know, like they're, like they're somehow heathens. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? You know, even Santa Claus. Can I say Santa Claus in church? I don't believe in Santa Claus. I mean, I understand where it came from and originally the person, St. Nick and stuff. But the way it's presented today in the mall and go get your picture with Santa because he gives your kids presents and stuff. And we never lied to our kids about that uh, or anything of that nature. But here's, here's, the, here's the other side. I'm not on a crusade to go tell all the little kids in the mall in line. <laughs> That's not real, you know. <laughs> Everybody understand what I'm saying? I just, it's just certain things, even though they're not what I do or believe in or want my focus on, I'm not going to make it a big deal. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it upset me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to worship Santa either way. Everybody okay? You know, like Easter. Easter's a great holiday. What's Easter about? Good, good. No one said bunnies <laughs> candy it's about the resurrection and that's all it is to me but i understand i understand in the world you know there's a lot of, there's a substitute they have easter and so uh, you know there's a a different focus and we've used that focus at times as a tool let's do an egg stream hunt let's do an egg hunt a lot of kids will come they'll come to church and we'll tell them about the resurrection right and so, you know, I, I say, what about the bunny? Big whoop-de-doo. That means nothing to me. That's not going to change my relationship with God. You know, even there, you know, we just uh, recently passed Halloween. Now, if you study Halloween long enough, you, find, you can find a lot of dark stuff, right? The origins and the history of, of uh, uh, there's a, and I realize even today, um, there are, you know, witches and Satan worshipers and stuff, and that's their big day. That's, they do a whole lot of bad stuff on that day. I don't like it. Um, but at the same time, I recognize, you know, the vast majority of, of people in our country that do the Halloween thing, they are not Satan worshipers. You know what I'm talking about? And so if I personally don't like it, and, I, and you know, and I'm, I'm not, I don't like the whole ghosts and witches and, you know, the evil kind of stuff, and, and we don't ever do sacrifices and stuff. I don't like any of that, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not making that my, the focus of my, uh, you know, I'm going to come out and spend all my time and trying to get people to stop worshiping the devil by putting on a costume. I'm just going to ignore it. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to go on and live my life, focus on what's important, and not be concerned about some of these other things. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. If that troubles you a lot, you might want to consider it and think about it and not throw it out right away, and, uh, and, and consider what things are really, should, really should, should grab your attention, and I think there's enough to keep us occupied. 
I think there's enough with go you go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Huh? That if we can focus on a few things like that, we realize someone's not going to hell because of a tree, a tree, a bunny, a costume, <laughs> or some of these things that it needs to come back to, back to Jesus. And the mature recognize what's really important. They recognize what we should give our focus and attention to and what we should, you know, just not get, spend too much time thinking about and talking about. I, I want to begin sharing about uh, what it takes to grow up. And of course, I've got several points on this one too. Uh, I want to talk about what it takes to grow up and what's necessary. What do I need to have in place in my life to make sure I'm growing? Because I recognize this, and most of us do. Just because we've been saved a long time is not an indication of spiritual maturity. Just because we're in church all the time, that does, that's not an indication of spiritual maturity. And so what is, what components are necessary? What characteristics do I need to have about my life that would ensure that when things happen to me, when, when stuff goes on, that I am growing and increasing and I won't be in the same place a year from now that I am today. And the first one in this list is humility. The first thing that is necessary for me to grow and mature is I need to have humility. Humility is reality. Humility is truth. Humility is uh, a, a clear picture of the way things are. Humility doesn't mean that we are nothing. It mean, doesn't mean we're to be some groveling, worm-in-the-dust type of mentality of ourselves. Like, like uh, Paul said in Romans, he said, um, he said not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. He didn't say don't think highly of yourself. He said don't, just don't think too highly. Don't think, don't think above or beyond what is correct and what is true. And if I will have a heart of humility, man, the doors are wide open for God to do things in my life and move through me. It's the proud that get resisted, but it's the, it's the humble that get lifted. And we want, to, we want to make sure we have a heart of humility. Um, there always must be a recognition of a need for maturity before anyone will pursue it. Again, now watch. If I don't have a humble heart, I'm blinded to where I'm at. I'm blinded to my own personal development and position with God. But if I have a humble heart, I will see clearly where I am. And also, and this is true with all of us, that there is room for progress. There is, there is room before us where we can grow and increase in our, in our walk with the Lord and our knowledge of Him. The most difficult people in life to help, the most difficult um, ones to encourage and inspire growth in are the ones who think uh, they're mature when they're not. When a, person, when a person thinks they're further beyond than they are, they close themselves off to the necessary instruction and help and tools to move them to that place. Why would I need that? I'm already there. You know, if I think, if I'm in Los Angeles and I think I'm in New York and there's a, there's a bus outside of the, where I'm at and it says heading to New York, but I think I'm already in New York, why would I get on the bus? I would say, you white people are idiots. We are already in New York. Why are you getting on that bus? 
But then my belief that I'm in New York when I'm actually in Los Angeles is going to keep me from ever getting to New York. Okay, so I've got to know, I've got to have a, an accurate, humble, posi- humble mindset of where I already am today. And no matter how long we've been around, there's still more that we don't know. And probably this is the case that there's a, well, this is the case. There's a lot more that you and I don't know than what we do know. All right. Uh, even if you've studied a lot, think about the knowledge that we have. You've got your, your first grader and you've got your PhD. I don't know if you could all see that move. Now, we see it, well, there's a great difference there. Yeah, from our perspective, there is. But think about the knowledge of God. First grader, Ph.D. Both of us not real smart, are we? <laughs> and not, Now, smart's not the word, but um, don't have a huge depth of knowledge in relationship to what's really there. Let me read you a few scriptures along these lines. 1 Corinthians 3 and 18, 1 Corinthians 3 and 18, Paul said here, let no one deceive himself. Is that possible? Self-deception? Oh yeah. He said, if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become, become a fool that he may become wise. Let him become a fool that he may become wise wise. There's a humility that's necessary in order to become something. I must not see myself as all-knowing or all-wisdom. And if I do, I won't ever become wise. I won't ever come to a place of knowing. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Do you see a wise man in his own eyes? Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So how many wise people we have today? <laughs> I'm glad you were paying attention. The only good thing we could have done there is pointed at someone else. That person's pretty wise. But you see a per- person wise in his own eyes. That's a dangerous thing. Okay. More hope for a fool than him. Proverbs 10 and verse 8. Proverbs 10, 8. The wise in heart will receive commands. Think about that. The wise person will receive... Now, commands is not even a suggestion, is it? How many know a suggestion is a lot easier to receive than a command? Well, I suggest you consider possibly thinking about and I say that a lot when I'm speaking because I know that commands are harder to receive and not everyone is wise in heart. I know there's some of you here. There's a, one person I'm thinking of in particular. Uh, now, I'm not saying what you think I'm about to say. I'm going to call your name. But a person I've talked to that I know their heart they want me. They wish I was more forceful. And I would just... They, I, they, I'm not quoting them verbatim. But I think they want me to just tell people what to do. Because they look around and they see people not doing what they ought to do. And they're right about a lot of people. <laughs> they, they think people ought to do more and they ought to do this. And they want me to be really strong and just tell them. 
Just tell people to do it. And I wouldn't mind. <laughs> but here's the deal. We are in a, I mean, I'm part of this too, but we are in a culture that is not quick to receive that. There are some cultures in our, in our world that are. Because of the way things are, a pastor or minister could just stand up and say, hey everyone, by the way, we're having another meeting today at 3 o'clock and you'll be here. You know how you would all resist that? <laughs> Who are you? There are some cultures that would have, everyone would show up and say, and we're going to do this. And, we're going, and there is some benefit to that in, in the sense that there is a submission to God and there is a work that God can do in a person who's totally willing and committed to do anything, anywhere. But I recognize, and hey, I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm just, just saying, I didn't even plan on saying this. Ask for service. I didn't say this. <laughs> uh, but we're in a culture where uh, we're not quick to receive being told what to do. We think, well, if this is a suggestion, then maybe if you're super nice about it, and you asked in the right way, then still probably not, but I'll think about it. <laughs> and I, I tell you, and I'm not talking about some desire for us to be, you know, controlling people's lives. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Or being, you know, domineering and controlling and dictatorship type of thing. That's not, that's not of God. But I tell you what, there should be a, in, a, in us a heart, a willingness to receive commands. Hallelujah. Uh, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. In other words, a person who just talks, 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 yabby, yeah, 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 they just keep talking. That's the person who falls. But a person who will receive, that's the person who, who, who is wise. Humility sees our need for and dependence on the Lord. And we should, I, I think in all things, at all times, this ought to be our, a consistent heart commitment that we want to remain teachable. Never get to a place in your life where you are unteachable, where no one can tell you anything, where the Lord can't teach and instruct you. And, and how many know, again, this is one of those areas that if, if said with the Lord in the sentence, it's often easy to receive. In other words, most of us would say, the Lord can tell me anything. He can teach me anything, and I'll receive that. I mean... Uh, and what we have in mind maybe is a personal visitation from the Lord. If Jesus walks into our room, says, hi, I'm Jesus, you know, shows you the scars, uh, I would do whatever he says. And I believe probably vast majority of us would do that. We would do whatever he says. The problem is, is most of the time, the way the Lord deals with us, it's not like that. It happens to come through someone else. It happens to come through another person who is speaking the words the Lord gave them. Then we quickly dismiss it. And anything we don't like or don't agree with or isn't make us, doesn't make us feel real good, we say, well, you know, that's their opinion. And it's true we should be discerning as to what is from God and what's not, what lines up with Scripture and what does not. But I tell you, there ought to be, there needs to be a heart in us that's not going to dismiss anything we don't like or don't want to do just because it came through someone and we can say that was them. When really in your spirit you know it was God. Everybody okay? You see, uh, 
humility is one of those things that opens us up for, for, for change and for growth. Uh, for some people, it's real hard to say, I didn't know that. Uh, they always want to leave the impression uh, that nothing is new to them. They hear something new, they didn't know it. But when they talk to their friends about it, oh yeah, I, I knew that. The Lord told me that like a year ago. Someone said, oh, wasn't that powerful? Wasn't that good? What, 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 this teaching and this scripture? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord showed me that just last, yeah, well, about five years ago. The Lord showed me that. I, in, the, in the South, they say it like this. I've been knowing that for a long time. <laughs> and uh, no, that's pride. Humility says, wow, I should have known that, but I didn't know that. Man, that's good. That's something that's, uh, that's uh, really... Um, life-altering for me. You know, uh, humility is not afraid to say, I was wrong. I didn't know that. You're right. Or, I need help. Pride doesn't ever ask for help because I've got it. I'm good. I don't need anybody else. I don't need any, don't need any help. See, but what those things do is they keep us from growing and developing and maturing in the things of God. It's interesting to me that that uh, the subject of growing up and no longer be, being children from Ephesians 4 is in the context of the fivefold ministry. In other words, for me to grow and develop, no longer be tossed, no longer be deceived, no longer be a spiritual child, I must have connection with apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. In other words, God placed ministry gifts in His body to help the body to grow and develop and mature. And if I separate myself from the body and from what God is doing, I am only cutting off a supply of the Spirit to my life. Someone said, well, the Lord speaks to me directly. He can, and He does, and we ought to all have the Lord speaking to us directly. The, the anointing teaches us, according to, to, to 1 John Chapter 2, the anointing will teach us all things, but that does not do away with the, the system and the plan that God set up that He would use one person to speak to another person. And because I'm a New Testament believer, I'm not Old Testament relying on a prophet to tell me what God wants. I'll know it when someone talks to me. I'll know it when there's a teaching that is inspired of God. There'll be something on the inside that's, that's in agreement, even if my head sometimes goes, ah. Huh? I'll know it in here. I remember years ago that uh, I was in a service and a man was ministering and I was thinking about a number of the things that he was saying. I thought, that's not right. That's not right. I don't agree with that. But I, I was thankful later on, I mean m months, maybe a year down the road, that I didn't tell anyone that. I didn't go out of there saying, ah. Because you know, you know what I discovered? He was right and I was wrong. But from the position I was in at that point, the maturity level I was at, I just couldn't see what he was saying. I couldn't, under, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. So I, again, I was thankful I, kept my, I held my tongue and just let it go. And the Lord taught me and the Lord helped me to see. Uh, I remember years ago, several years ago, I went on a little short trip for a few days, a couple hours away from here, uh, all by myself. Uh, little prayer trip, all right? Uh, just 
so I can get alone, spend time with God all day long, all night long, and just uh, be alone and pray and be in the Word. And it was really, I, you know, do that now and then. And and this, it was, it was real beneficial. I mean, I had some good times in the Lord, was glad to spend time with Him and not be distracted by other things. But there were some things I was seeking the Lord on specifically. I was a little bit disappointed because I didn't get answers. There were some things I wanted to know and I didn't know. And I got done, done with my, my time and I was driving home and I popped in some, uh, uh, some ministry, some teaching on a CD and lo and behold... And I remember at the time thinking, I'm getting more out of this right now than I got out of like eight hours of prayer yesterday. <laughs> Serious. I mean, th- there were some things that the Lord was, was answering in my heart that I had questions about, and it came off of this CD with someone else teaching. It's like, what's up with that? Can't the Lord speak directly to me? Yes. Has, is, does, will continue to speak directly to me. But I'm also, I'm also recognizing this. In addition to that, he will continue to use other people to speak to me. And a spiritual person will not discard that and dismiss that. They'll accept it and receive it as God's plan, as God speaking to us. For whatever reason, whether God just didn't say it or I wasn't in tune to what he was saying about that subject, when I started listening to that that other uh, person teach the word, it was like, man, this is good. Nice. This is exactly what I needed. I don't even need to pray next time. I'm going to listen to a CD. No, I'm just kidding about that. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and, uh, and, and let's finish up over here today. 2 Timothy 3. You know, I was thinking of another individual uh, that told me one time that he was, he was visiting another church. This was before he came here. And he told me, I went to this church, and the pastor was saying some couple things that I didn't really like. He said, so I just got up and left. And I told him, you did? I said, it was really that bad? I mean, it would have to be pretty bad, real bad for me just to say, oh, bless God, I'm getting up and li- I'm not listening to this. La, 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 you know, <laughs> you know that's the kind of heart I do not want. I do not want to, to be in a position where I, in my life, I won't put up with or listen to anything that disagrees with what I already thought. And I tell you, if we magnify the way I always thought, the way my church grew up taught it, or the way my family taught it, the way it is in my country, my race, my whatever, my group of friends, we think this way, and anything contrary to that, I'm not going to receive it. That's a severe hindrance to growth. That's called pride, and that will block the blessings and the increase of God from coming into your life. So let's have this mindset, because we're not always going to agree on everything, but that's not the biggest deal in the world. I want to have a teachable heart. And if something really is wrong, I'm never going to accept it. But I could be wrong, too. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe I need to ponder these things, and maybe I need to consider them. And just because it's different than the way I've heard, I've heard it before and I was taught it, it, growing up, maybe I was wrong. In, in 2 Timothy 3, uh, Paul's telling Timothy about the last days and about a lot of things that would happen and about people who have, would have itching ears and they, they would ever be ever learning and never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And in verse 
chapter 3 and verse 8, he said, Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. They resisted Moses and they resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. Now, if you look for Janus and Jambres in the Old Testament and look around Moses, you'll never find their names. You won't, you won't find their names anywhere else in the Bible except for right here. But obviously, Paul knew when writing that Timothy knew who they were. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said that. And there are external writings from the Scripture that do use those names and talk about them. What they, are, what they probably were were the magi- magicians that worked for Pharaoh, the sorcery and stuff, that, that, that worked for Pharaoh. And when Moses was coming in demonstrating signs and wonders and the, and the, the, the ten plagues and so forth, and he would, like he would throw his, his rod on the ground, it would turn into a snake, and then Pharaoh's magicians would do the same thing. And then, of course, Moses... Rod, they're rod up. That was cool. Uh, but they were resistant. God would do something, uh, um, quote, supernatural, something out of the ordinary there. God would do something, and they would resist it. And they said, well, we got this, and we got this. And they continued to resist the work of God that was happening through Moses, the word of the Lord that was coming through Moses, saying, let my people go. They kept resisting. And Tim, Paul's telling Timothy, they're people in the last days, and they're the same way. They act like that do. They are resistant to truth. You can speak it. You can tell them the truth. But they're resistant. He said, from these kind of people, you need to turn away. You need to stay away from that. It's, 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 it's the individuals who constantly are, um, they, they just cause troubles, but they don't have the power of God in their lives. And they come in and argue over words, over personalities, but they don't have the power of God. And then verse 5 of that chapter says, from such turn away. And so... This needs to be our heart, our commitment, our mindset with the Lord. I'm going to humble myself. That doesn't mean think I'm a worm of the dust. I'm gonna, I want to see myself in proper light. I have a whole series on humility on our website if you want to listen to great detail about that. But I want to see myself in proper light so that the Lord can take me and move me up. So that I can grow and develop and not have these hindrances that keep so many people in a childhood or babyhood state of Christianity for so many years. Amen. Amen. Stand up with me today. Let's let the Lord work on our hearts through worship now. Let's let Him speak to us and deal with us in whatever way He he chooses. And uh, we'll respond to Him. We'll receive everything He says.